and welcome to the Plus Podcast. I'm Rachel Thomas. The mathematician Charles Dodgson is better known for his work as Lewis Carroll and his writings of Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. Professor Robin Wilson, the head of pure mathematics at the Open University, recently wrote a book, Lewis Carroll in Numberland, exploring both the mathematics in Lewis Carroll's book and also the mathematics of Charles Dodgson's life. Marianne Freiberger spoke to Professor Wilson about Charles Dodgson and the mathematics in Wonderland. So tell us a little bit about Charles Dodgson's life. How did the two interests of mathematics and well, creative writing sit together? How did he divide his time between them? Well, he was always interested in, in, in mathematics. Uh, his father was a, a very fine mathematician and classicist. He'd been at Christchurch College in Oxford. It was quite natural for, them, for him then to follow in his father's footsteps and go uh, to Oxford where he studied mathematics and the classics. I think it was during a reading party for his finals exams. Um, uh, uh, there was a reading party up in Yorkshire, a whole summer spent in, in Whitby in Yorkshire. And he was seen there sitting on a rock talking to, to young children and telling them stories. He obviously had a very great knack for that, part, presumably because of his family upbringing. The young Charles was one of 11 children, so he, so he spent all his time with other With, with his brothers and sisters, trying to entertain them and so on. And I think what brought it to a head is that when he first became a lecturer in Oxford, um, it was the time that Christchurch appointed a new dean, a very distinguished scholar, a very distinguished Greek scholar, who had four children, three, three girls and a boy. And one of these girls was the young Alice Liddell, who became the Alice of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. And he used to take them around Oxford, he used to take them on rowing trips, he used to take them for walks around the museums, the new university museum with its dodo, he went to, to, to show that. This of course led to that famous boating trip on the 4th of July 1862 when Dodgson and a friend of his from another college, they rowed the three little girls up to North Oxford to Godstow. And it was during that trip that he started telling uh, the famous Alice story. So can you tell us a little bit about his, in quotes, serious mathematics, about his own research that he was interested in? Well, he was mainly a teacher in many ways, uh, and his teaching involved a lot of geometry. Um, Euclidean geometry, uh, based on, of course, Euclid's elements from about 250 BC, uh, was a very important book. It's probably the most printed book of all time after the Bible. And certainly in Victorian times, it was regarded as the ideal training for the mind. Not because Euclid was a practical sort of geometry, but because it was axiomatic. Everything depended logically on everything else. And it was this sort of logical deduction on which Euclid's elements was based that that led... Um, to Euclid's elements being regarded as the model of deductive reasoning. So he spent a lot of his early times, his early uh, professional life, writing about Euclid's elements, making it easier for students. And he also wrote a very famous book, Euclid and His Modern Rivals. 
Well, there's a new style of geometry coming in. Uh, people are looking at practical geometry a lot more. For example, the geometry of surveying. And this book, Euclid and his Modern Rivals, was really an attempt to justify uh, the formality and beauty of Euclid's elements against all these modern, these other modern books. He wrote it in dramatic form, with four characters, uh, in order to make it more popular. And it has, it's got some very serious um, material about geometry and the way it's taught in different ways. But a lot of it is actually put in a, in a sort of rather more light-hearted way. As I say, it's done, done as, as a play. <coughs> and uh, it has some, uh, uh, and there's some very funny moments in it. There are other topics that he was interested in as well. He wrote a book on determinants that was to do with equations in in algebra. Uh, But unfortunately, although that book had some original material in, uh, it was written in such a way that, um, well, he made up his own terminology and notation. And and although it has some interesting ideas, which have actually come back only recently... Um, at the time, it really didn't, didn't have much impact. And is that the book that he sent to Queen Victoria on her request? <coughs> this is, that's the book about which there's the famous story. Uh, Queen Victoria was so enchanted by Alice's adventures in Wonderland that apparently she said, I love this book, send me everything else that he's, he's, he's written or send me the next book that he writes. And it was this book on determinants and linear, and, and, and linear algebra. Whether that story is true, we just don't know. I, I think it's almost certainly that, that, that she didn't say that, but it's a nice story anyway. Okay, so another interest that he had was um, the theory of elections. Could you tell us a little more about that? There are all sorts of different ways we vote. Um, our parliamentary elections are first past the post. Dodgson thought that was very unfair. Because supposing someone got in with 51% of the vote, then it means that 49% of the people in that constituency were not represented. In those days, most parliamentary constituencies had two, three, four, or even five members of parliament. It was more like proportional representation. And Dodgson in particular wrote quite a bit about proportional representation. And and there are a number of different ways in which one could vote. And what Dodgson did was he came up with some very ingenious examples which showed uh, why each of the standard methods of voting were not fallacious as such, but it was inadequate. So it arose out of his college life, um, but uh, eventually uh, he got interested in it as, as a theory and developed it. And in fact, he was way ahead of his time He was one of the most important people in the theory of voting at the time. And, um, in fact, the Oxford philosopher Michael Dummett once said that if only Dodgson had written the book he planned to write about voting, the whole of British political history might have been different. It was Dodgson who suggested that, that no, in an election, no vote should be announced no result should be announced until all the polls are closed. Seems obvious to us. Of course, it's not what they do in, in the States for obvious geographical reasons. But, uh, but Dodgson suggested it, and of course, 
Uh, a lot of the major politicians of the day had been at Christchurch. Some of them had been undergraduates with him. And in fact, he was the one that suggested that and eventually it got through. So uh, the mathematics clearly permeated um, a lot of his other writings and it also obviously permeates the Alice books. Um, in some obvious ways because there's arithmetic in there but there's logical puzzles also and the whole kind of idea of these absurdities that are still internally structured is very mathematical as well. So what about logic? He did have a mathematical professional interest in logic as well. What did he do there? You're right that there are, there are bits of arithmetic right the way through the Alice books and also bits of logic. Um, there's a, a famous scene also with the, with the White Knight uh, where, where you're sort of talking about what something's called, or what it's named, or what its name is and everything. And each of these he gives a slightly different meaning to. And, um, and so you find these logical things permeating the, uh, the whole of the, of the, not just the Alice books, but his, his other writings as well. Mm-hmm. But certainly, as I say, you'll find all sorts of logical statements or pseudo-logical statements. And I, I, I don't think he sort of deliberately put them in. It was just part of, part of the way he, he talked about things. the last few years of his life he spent a lot of time writing about logic, syllogistic logic. This is the logic to, uh, derived from Aristotle's syllogisms. The syllogism is where you've got a couple of statements, for example, like um, all men are mortal, Socrates is a man, therefore Socrates is mortal. So you've got two statements with a common word and you eliminate that and then you see what you can deduce from that. Now, Dodgson actually felt that the symbolic logic was, again, ideal training for, for, for children. And he, he, he wrote um, a book called A Game of Logic, which had a card and some counters, and he used to take it into local schools. And what made it fun uh, was that he put these things in a very informal way, a very entertaining way. Uh, instead of having statements like all A or B, he had things like babies cannot manage crocodiles. And nobody is despised who can manage a crocodile, that sort of thing. And uh, so that's what, what made them entertaining. Uh, but the underlying purpose was quite serious. And then he wrote it up as a book, Symbolic Logic for Adults. And some of his examples became very, very complicated. Some had you know, ten statements out of which you had to work out the conclusion. And in fact, just before he died, he came up with some examples of 40 or 50 statements very, very complicated. Sadly, he died before his second book on logic appeared, uh, and we didn't know about it until a proof copy emerged 70 years later. Uh, if it had been known at the time, you know, people would have had a much higher regard to his logic than, uh, than, than they did. Uh, but certainly, he was convinced that it was a good way of training the mind, again, like, like Euclid. If he hadn't become famous through his, through his books as Lewis Carroll, what do you think he'd be famous for? Mainly photography, I think. He was really the first person, or one of the first people, to regard photography as an art. He didn't just take a mugshot, uh, especially with children who were very natural. Um, the children actually loved going into his room, watching the, chemi- the darkroom, watching the chemicals being 
uh, being mixed, and then they were able to sort of sit still for a long, long time while, while the photograph was taken, and then they enjoyed watching the image emerge. And so, so that's why he took so many f- photographs of children, about 1,500 photographs of children. Mm-hmm. And he took about 3,000 pictures altogether all, all that, that, that have survived. And as I said before, he was probably regarded as the um, greatest children's photographer of the Victorian period uh, because he made them so interested. He, he, he often dressed the children up, or adults, but he dressed them up in costumes and gave them props to hold or to... Or, 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 or to um, to, to sit with, and um, and so his 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 pictures are are in many cases very imaginative, so I think that's what he'd, he'd have been remembered for. That's all we've got time for in this podcast. But if you'd like to read more about the mathematics of logic, voting, and geometry, or just the mathematics of the absurd, then visit Plus Magazine plus.maths.org. Happy reading and goodbye.